0: You're listening to Authorpreneurs Unleashed with host Catherine McClatchy, demystifying the business of writing. Hello, listeners. This is producer Joe Lynn Elkins, and this episode starts a six part series on marketing and writing strategies. Catherine McClatchy and I will discuss market research, engaging your VIP fans and email list, and using your community as a focus group to get actionable insights for creating or refreshing your marketing plan, and more. If you're new to Authorpreneurs Unleashed, welcome. While Catherine is the primary host, every month or so, I switch out my editing chair for the role of interviewer to delve into Katherine's knowledge as a digital media marketing strategist and the owner of Unleashing the Next Chapter. So let's unleash this episode. I'm so excited, Catherine, for this month's deep dive that we're gonna be doing on marketing and strategy. Both of us have a marketing background, so it's kind of in our wheelhouse. I'd like to start with a basic foundation level of what people need to know before they listen to our expert guests coming up.
1: Fabulous, I agree, I think that's a great idea. So let me just introduce who's coming up and we want everybody to make sure they don't miss these episodes. Today, we're on episode 34. Can you believe we've been doing this 34 episodes? Round of applause for us. Uh, number 35 is going to be Nikolai Voiskal and he's going to talk to us about Vela and how he uses it both as a writing production aid as well as a marketing aid. Episode number 36 will be Jennifer Hilt. She is a specialist in all things tropes and has written the Tropes Thesauri, and she will be talking about how she uses tropes both in her writing strategy, her plotting, and then in marketing. Number 37 will be Tosca Lee. Tosca first got my attention when she handed me a gift bag of her books and it had so many cool little marketing things in it. And I've been watching her since then. And this is an amazing best-selling author who has both strategy for writing and strategy for marketing down. So I'm going to be talking in depth with her about that. Episode number 38 is Amanda Arista. She's going to come to talk to us about writing strategy. I know she was a instructor at the SMU Writing Path, and she's worked with a lot of amazing writers and coached writers, and she's going to give us some tips and tricks to help with our writing strategy. And then the month after that, we're going to deep dive into email networking and email
0: marketing. And I'm thrilled again. We've got a great lineup. We do. It is going to be an exciting, what, eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So let's start off. Where do we need to start our foundation at? In our last episode of 2022, we talked about branding and rebranding. So marketing and strategy comes after that. Where do we go from having our unique selling position and knowing our brand? What do we do with that? I
1: would love for everybody to double down and start doing some research, market research. As authors, most of us are really comfortable with researching all kinds of crazy things for our books. We all joke that if something happens to us, you make sure to clear my browser history (laughs) if you love me before the FBI finds it, right? So we, we research crazy things, but we don't spend enough time researching the things we need to market our books. And I'm not talking about researching, you know, big techniques. We look at a lot of the outputs of marketing without understanding what goes into creating those things to make them useful. Mm. And that's kind of what I would like to talk about. My specialty is digital marketing strategy. I look at the big holistic picture for my clients. But I think, again, one of the biggest mistakes I see is People just don't look into what goes into those posters or into those bookmarks or how to have a cohesive brand to market. Mm -hmm. Okay. So where do we start? So once you figured out your branding, I would like you to make a list of everybody who's supporting you, your top fans. If you can come up with a hundred people that you consider your diehard fans, that's all you need is a hundred. And if you have more than that, prioritize the top 100 that uh, and if your mom's on that list, that's okay. (laughs) You know, if if mom is your biggest supporter, she needs to be on that list, too. And this list of 100 you're going to know is your VIP. You do all the special things for them. You take care of them first. You create special events. Um, And and they don't even have to be on Patreon. Uh, A lot of authors are moving towards Patreon. A lot of creative entrepreneurs are using Patreon as a tool. I'm I'm not talking about those folks, although those are wonderful. But these are the people who are talking about you in book club. They're talking about you before Sunday school. They're talking about you at the ballpark um, and and spreading the message of whatever you create, right? That's your hundred true fans. You need to know who they are. You need to be nice to them and you need to create a survey that they will answer. And if they answer your survey and it's gonna be a short 10 question survey, if they answer that, then you have
0: confirmed that they are your true fans. So it's, it's kind of two way. You think you know your true fans, but whoever answers it, they're not only are they answering your marketing questions, they are also confirming they are your true fans. Exactly. And it's, it's nice because they already
1: love you for whatever reason, which I always find interesting when I was going through my rebranding, I picked out people and asked them these questions personally. Jolynn, you were one of the people. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you see as the core value of what I do? What do you see as the mission of what unleashing the next chapter is about? So we discussed that. And and the cool thing was I got of all the people I asked, I got some answers that repeated. And I got some answers that were outliers. And when I looked at the repeating answers, I came up with five core values that were not what I had intentionally thought about, but apparently was ingrained into me and my business, right? Mm -hmm. So then I can build a marketing strategy based on those core values. I know what people are finding value in from what I offer. Now this works for businesses. This works for creative entrepreneurs of all stripes. This especially works for entrepreneurs. because if you don't know why people love what you're doing, how do you know to market it
0: to a wider audience? Right. And can you give us a few example questions to put on this 10 question survey? Give us three good ones.
1: I'm grinning ear to ear because I spent years working for an international market research company and all I did was write questionnaires. <laughs> so I got this. Um, so what you want to specifically ask for sure is what is it about my books that keeps you reading? Mm. Or if you're a musician, what is it about my music that brings you back for the next album? What is it about the art that I am creating or the graphic design Website, I am building whatever it is that you do, you need to know what people are attracted to because mm-hmm. what you think they're attracted to may not be the thing, right? So, that's one. What is it? Uh, the other question you want to ask is, What do you think my core values are? Oh, because you know, I was really surprised, and I've been doing this almost 30 years, and I was still surprised at the answers I got. And they were all on target once I thought about them. But sometimes you need that outside perspective and subjective opinions. Mm. What I find is oftentimes we get going on a road and we're doing the work and we're creating the things Uh and we forget to think about how they're being received. And once we know what that is, it's much easier to build your marketing strategy. Right. Right. The third thing you want to ask your true fans is who do they think needs or wants whatever it is you're creating? Uh-huh. I am always surprised when I talk to authors and they are writing with their specific ideal audience in mind, uh-huh. who they think they're writing for. And so many times in the reality, that's not who's buying the book and so that skews their marketing because if they're writing for say a ya audience oftentimes they automatically market to a ya audience but -hmm. the fact is they need to be marketing to librarians parents and grandparents who are buying the books for that ya audience right Um, same things with a lot of people who are writing steamy romance are they marketing to the people who are reading or are they marketing to the people who are buying? And is Uh that market the same? Maybe, maybe not, but a lot of times I'm finding it's not. So ask your fans and followers who they think either needs or wants what you're creating.
0: Interesting. And this would also confirm how your brand is being perceived exactly we talk talk a lot about your brand is your reputation Mm -hmm. and if you don't give yourself one someone else will give you one And this is kind of a test am I doing a good job of branding myself
1: it is and and once you get that information you can go two ways either you take what they're saying and you adopt that because that's already the reputation out there, but you can also get that information and go, oh, this isn't what I wanted. I got to course correct and I got to, you know, nip this in the bud and Mm -hmm. go a different
0: way. But you don't know that if you don't ask the question. Right. If it comes back drastically different than what you were expecting, or at least very different than -hmm. you were hoping for, what kind of reaction should you have if you need to course correct? Should you just focus on what you are doing correct? It seems like it'd be so possible to get distracted or discouraged by incongruent responses.
1: Let me just say right here that all information is good information. Mm -hmm. You do not need to be discouraged about this. You do not ever need to be brokenhearted or downhearted about this because once you know you can decide what to do with it. In the writing community, in critique groups, a lot of critique groups have the rule, as everybody's critiquing your work, you sit there silently and accept. Mm. You're not allowed to argue back, you're not allowed to explain it away, any of that you just accept. I would encourage anybody who's doing this kind of marketing research to accept And to think on it and not have a knee jerk reaction. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's art is so subjective, but it's also so ingrained and part of us. You know, these characters we write about, they're in a lot of cases our alter egos or they're us or they're somebody we know. And if Mm -hmm. they're not being received the way that we think they should be, we get really defensive. Because we want to take care of our our loved ones, you know, imaginary or real. Right. So I really want to encourage people to just kind of sit with the results a while. Think on it. See if you can see the point of view. And not every piece of information is correct. You know, if you get a critique and there's 12 people in the critique group and one person says this thing, well, (laughs) maybe you don't listen to that one person. But when you have six people all saying the exact same thing, you need to sit up and pay attention because they're seeing something that you haven't.
0: Right. So outliers, we need mm-hmm. to be careful of outliers and maybe take take a look at what they're talking about, but definitely take it with a whole bunch of salt. Exactly. Outliers and also the ones,
1: uh, consider you know the source always um if you have somebody who's not a reader but they love you because they love you and they answered your survey maybe their feedback is or isn't useful Mm -hmm. um so so consider that too but you still want to keep them as part of your community because they're telling people to read your book or buy your thing you know so don't don't dismiss out of hand but definitely do qualify who says what but if you're getting multiple responses that are identical uh, you definitely need to sit up and pay attention regardless right. of the source.
0: And those people that aren't readers, but who are uh, talking about you and love you, mm-hmm. they're part of the buyer, not reader part of the oh, market. Thank you for mentioning that. How
1: many of us have this huge TBR list? Um, I'm sitting here with five bookshelves of books I have not <laughs> read. This is my TBR here because uh, after I read them, I often donate them to a library or pass them on to somebody else who would love them. Uh, but but the ones that buy and haven't read are really just as valuable as the readers. Now, they're not going to give
0: you the reviews, but mm-hmm. they are helping you get to your goal of sales. Oh, I was thinking about, um, you know, the aunt that buys your book and gives it as a gift, you know, graduation oh, yeah. present or, you know, uh, birthday present. Those kind of people, they're part of your community too. That's me. I always <laughs> give books as gifts. So yeah, exactly right. So don't
1: don't dismiss out of hand what the perception is of what you're doing as well as the reality.
0: So after we get all these responses and we've kind of analyzed who is giving them, uh, which ones are consistent across the board, what are outliers, What do we do with this information to make it useful for decision-making? How do we convert it into something uh, that's actionable?
1: Okay, so if your information that you're getting back, that research and response is very different than what you've built your brand on, it's time to do a realignment and make sure your brand is on target. Because if your brand is inconsistent, you're going to end up selling your books to the wrong people, getting bad reviews, and you're not going to build trust among your audience because you're saying one thing and doing another. So you really have to make sure that your brand is in alignment.
0: That's the first step. If you find yourself in that situation, a great resource for that is our episode 21 from last year, Prepping for the New Year. We take a deep dive into rebranding and course correcting. Exactly. Yeah. So I won't belabor that point. If your results
1: come in and everything is in alignment the way you thought it was, then it's time to double down on a marketing strategy. One of the first things I need you to think about is your budget and I know oh. as artists we hate talking about money but the fact is if you consider yourself a professional and you are putting time into your craft and your art you need to get paid for that so what expenses have you come up with uh, what does it cost you to do what you do both in time and in tools And yeah, writing's cheap if you have a computer you can write, but are you paying for Grammarly? Are you paying for other resources? Are you paying for a project management tool? Are you paying to be part of a writing community online or in real life? Are you going to conferences and conventions? Keep track of all of those expenses, not only for tax purposes, but to figure out your cost of doing business. So Mm -hmm. then as you're pricing your products or you're setting your goals, you know what you need to be considering. Either charging for that product, charging for speaking events, uh, charging for whatever. It also helps you figure out how much you need to invest in advertising, paid advertising. I talk a lot about content and doing organic reach through social media, but there's also a time and a place for paid advertising. And if you end up paying more to promote your work than you make from selling your work, that's an upside down thing. And you need to know that ahead of time because I've seen so many authors that they've finished the work, they've come out of their cave after years of building their book baby, And suddenly they're like, okay, I got to spend this on this advertising. I got to spend this on this uh, journal ad. I've got to, you know, there are so many people out there who want your money. So if you know what your budget is going in and a good rule of thumb is 10% of what you expect to make, you definitely want to set aside for advertising. So if you want to sell $5,000 worth of books a month, you need to plan on 10% of that amount going into your advertising. Mm. Just a rule of thumb, your individual mileage may vary, but it's a good starting place for budgeting. And sadly, most creative entrepreneurs do not figure out their budget in time to really do anything about it. And if you don't know what your budget is, then it's really hard to evaluate. Is this magazine ad worth my money? Mm -hmm. Or do I need to look at other ways of marketing
0: and other strategies that cost more or less? And when you're evaluating advertising possibilities, is there anything that you would caution against? Like are Facebook ads worth it? Should you go with Google? Is there anyone in particular that is least likely to be beneficial or that is currently trending upward? The most
1: valuable one I have found, and the one I suggest all of my clients start with, is the cheap Google giveaway ad. Uh, I think it's $99, I might need to check that. And again, wherever you live, the currency may be different because we're talking to an international community. But Goodreads is definitely the place you want to start because Goodreads is where you know your audience is hanging out and they're the ones more likely to review your work. So focus on that. Amazon also does ads. Look at that. Regarding the Facebook ads, a lot of people go there first because they're cheap and it's a good targeted audience. However, if your primary audience isn't hanging out on Facebook, it's really not to your benefit. So Mm. we've talked about this before, figure out where your target audience is. And then that's where you want to consider putting ad dollars. If you are getting the most mileage from Twitter, look at Twitter ads. If you have a professional and more highly educated audience, you definitely wanna be putting your advertising dollars into LinkedIn. So those are options. Also consider conferences. A lot of conferences will give a directory or a program and they will take advertising for that. If that's where your ideal audience is, you definitely need to consider that. And those are pricey, but it goes for a good cause. Number one, if that's your community, And because it's your community, your target audience is going to look at that and a lot of them keep it. So when I went to BoucherCon in 2019, I still have my program sitting on the shelf here and I still look back through it because there were a lot of authors that I didn't know that I want to read at that conference. And it's the first conference I was listed as an author. So that was kind of cool as well. It was at the time it was my biggest client. So I'm, I'm listed in there a couple of places. So for vanity, I'm holding on to that. But a lot of people do keep these conference brochures for a long time. And during the conference, you're flipping through it daily, trying to make Mm -hmm. sure you're in the right place at the right time.
0: Right. Wow. It sounds like there's a lot more than just social media that can be done through digital market.
1: Digital marketing
0: encompasses everything
1: that either starts or ends on a computer. Hmm. So okay. if you are creating a print ad on a computer, digital marketing, if you're planning on putting a billboard up on the interstate, which I don't recommend, it starts on the computer and it's in my purview. Um, I look at the big picture as a digital marketer because you don't just want to put all your eggs in one basket.
0: Right. So we've got our eggs sorted at this point. Mm-hmm. Diversify. We've got our, <laughs> <Diversify>. <laughs> we've got our, our budget set. Yes. What comes next? Implementation. Put it on your calendar. Oh, ouch. That I hurts, know. Catherine. That I hurts. know.
1: But it's amazing how many people I mean, we're creative entrepreneurs. It's in the title. We're creative. We like having these brainstorms and all the ideas and doing the research. But sadly, most of us are not so good at implementation. So if you plan to do this yourself, I strongly encourage you to put time on your calendar when you are going to get the specific thing done, because it does take time and it Uh does take concentrated effort. And if you do not focus
0: on that, then my friends, it's just a dream. So you introduced me to something that, you know, I still struggle with, and that is the content calendar. Uh, Let's talk about that and how it can be useful in making a strategy. Which is why
1: I know that we're going to be talking about content calendars on a certain month here on the podcast. We're going to be talking about finances and budgeting and all of that the end of the summer we're talking about newsletters in a couple of months because i've laid out these broad strokes on my content calendar it's so much easier to plan if you know here's what i want to talk about in broad themes Mm -hmm. and then you can narrow down within that so i know week one of each month i'm going to talk about the basics like we're doing here today Uh, week two, I'm going to bring in an expert to go deep dive into that topic, because as much as I'd like to say, I'm the expert on everything. I still learn new tricks too. And I want to learn along with my audience. Then we're going to look at some more implementation and things we can do. Now, the nice thing is I'm doing this for the podcast and for my community. Here's a shameless plug. If you're not part of the unleashing the next chapter writers community on discord, you might want to do that it's a cool place to hang out so in the community we also discuss these things i do office hours one week out of the month i do a zoom call group small group coaching if you're interested in that topic one week out of the month so we, we have some things going on and then the community members are chatting on those topics and it's actually organized by those 12 topics, one a month, we kind of focus on there too. So all of my content calendars align and then I know if I don't have something off the top of my head I'm passionate about talking about on Twitter, I can go back to my content calendar and go, oh, this week we're talking about this, well, let's post about that. Or what I do a lot of times is I create a quarter's worth of posts. I know I'm going to be talking about these topics. I want a certain theme running one day a week. So this topic, this theme, this tone of voice, I'm creating all my content for the whole quarter. Bam, it's in the scheduler. I'm done. So if you don't have a content calendar, and this applies to so many other areas, your newsletter, your blog, the long form content, such as the podcast, if you do YouTube for your long form content, come up with those things that you are passionate about talking about put them on a calendar, and then narrow it down. And then when you do your big, broad, long-form content, like we're doing here on the podcast, then you break it down into smaller chunks and put it on the calendar to go out throughout the week in small tweets, Facebook posts, Short form video, whatever other social media you want to do. You can also build your advertising around it because you don't want to post the same ad every month if you're doing a consistent Google ads or Amazon ads or Facebook meta ads. Uh, If you can rotate them, you have a much better chance of catching somebody's eye differently. And then you also have the research that comes back. You know how many people were attracted to this ad versus this ad. So you know which one you want to tweak, which ones you want to run again, which ones you want to delete and never see again.
0: (laughs) This also means that every time you want to make a social media post or send out a newsletter, you're not having to reinvent the wheel thinking, oh, what do I need to talk about? What's priority? Because you have it planned out, your priorities, not just your goals, but also your priorities on what you want to talk about long-term
1: exactly because you want to be known for certain things those are the pillars of your brand right i want to be known as a digital media strategist i want to be known as a content marketer i want to be known as a productivity coach these are three Mm -hmm. things that are important to me that i'm passionate about and so i build my content calendar around those things i build my content around those things and then every year I can just redo it and and bring it up to date. I don't have to reinvent the wheel as long as those remain my content pillars. I just simply update the information. So we talked about Meta one month and all the changes and all the new stuff. Well, gotta tell you next year, Meta is gonna be a whole new thing and I'm gonna have a lot of new stuff to talk about. Same right. thing with newsletter marketing. We're gonna talk about that in a couple of months. Next year, I'm gonna talk about it again because we're gonna have a lot more new tools, new applications and, and our audiences will change as well. So even though I'm talking about it now, I'm going to have new information
0: next year and i'm going to have new voices and new ears in the conversation so you've mentioned newsletters several times and i know that's something that is very important to your strategy can we talk about newsletters a little bit they seem so simple but at the same time there's a lot more going on so if
1: you don't have a newsletter start there just write a quick note tag some pictures into it and get it out newsletter is important it is the first thing i recommend you do if you don't have any marketing strategy whatsoever if you have nothing in place to build a community you have to start with your newsletter because newsletters get the highest rate of conversion of any kind of marketing you do and for the first thousand to two thousand subscribers it's free you do not have to pay to start a newsletter it just costs you time and a little bit of headspace
0: Now, has it been this way forever? I remember thinking that newsletters weren't that big maybe 10 years ago. Newsletters have always been big. I think
1: they went out of fashion because all the new shiny things came along. Mm. Uh, We've been doing newsletters, you know, since the printing press, right? I remember as a kid copying my mimeograph, right? And then we got email. Oh, boy, we can send them without paying for postage. That was cool. And then things changed and grew. Um, Now there's a lot more guidelines and a lot more legal responsibility with newsletters. So if you are sending it out through your Google Gmail, uh, I got to tell you, number one, it's not getting through to all the people you think it's getting through. And number two, you could be liable for penalties in other countries. So you cannot just blind copy 500 people and send out an email. That is actually illegal. Wow, Mm -hmm. okay, so what is the legal way? The legal way, if you're starting today, you need to get an account with one of the email service providers being, I recommend MailerLite for authors. It has been shown to have the highest deliverability and it's the most user friendly and it's also free for your first thousand, I know maybe 2000 subscribers. So that gives you a chance to get comfortable with it and get it going. Uh, A lot of people like ConvertKit, that has been shown to be more successful for those who have an e-commerce store. So if you're doing that on the side, ConvertKit might be the thing you want. Uh, MailChimp was one of the early players. And so a lot of people are diehard with MailChimp. MailChimp has a lot going for it. MailChimp has some drawbacks. I used to be on MailChimp. I switched over to MailerLite. Take that for what it's worth. We can talk about that more in a couple of months. But you definitely want to start someplace with a company that is setting you up for success and making sure that you're following all the rules. California has privacy rules that are very specific about emails and the European Union. If you are sending emails into anybody,
0: even if it's one person in the European Union, you have to play by their rules. Wow. Okay. so there's a lot to unpack there. Good thing we are going to do that deep dive uh, in May on that.
1: And as we're talking about content, if you subscribe to my newsletter, I always put, you know, five content ideas for the coming weeks or months, I shoot for a newsletter twice a month, I commit to having one a month, Um, but it, it gets more active as I get more active. So you can subscribe to my newsletter. It's one way of doing it. There are multiple ways of doing it. What I also suggest is start thinking about the newsletters that you're already reading and the ones that you look forward to and kind of pick apart oh. what are they doing that excites you about getting their newsletter. Because especially with the rise of AI, uh, chat GPT, Jasper, all the things, a lot of people are sending out very generic newsletters just to get it out. And I got to tell you, I'm unsubscribing, unsubscribing really fast, mm-hmm. because if you're not putting quality in my email box, I do not need you to add to my inbox clutter.
0: Yeah, don't add to the mm-hmm. noise. Google just added Bard yep. to I'm so
1: excited about to it. their
0: paid subscribers, and my husband used it for something, and he said it wasn't quite refined like Chat GPT. I use Jasper. And again, it's a tool
1: Mm -hmm. tool. Please keep remembering. These are tools. If you don't know how to use it, and if you don't program the right prompts into it, you're not going to get quality information. You also need to know that they're searching the internet for information from two Mm -hmm. years ago. So if you're in a field, or if you're subscribing to something that's uh, current, like I do my, my world changes every six months, depending on the platform I'm working with. So I have to stay current. I can't use that, but I do use it to give me an outline, to make suggestions. What do you want to talk about? I have used it to, um, there's a content improver in Jasper. So sometimes I put just bullet points. These are the oh, things wow. I want to talk about. And then I see what Jasper gives me back. And then I use that as a rough draft and I edit that. So, I mean, it, it, it is a good thing it streamlines but i use it as a tool not
0: as a final Or like an assistant who knows generally what you want Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have your personal Mm -hmm. touch or your personal voice oh but some of them do oh that's creepy we need to have a whole episode about ai we do that gave
1: me chills uh i in in jasper you can put in the type of voice you want so i don't uh on the back of my cup these are my pillars That I focus on, I need to educate, encourage, engage, enlighten and entertain. If my content does not hit at least one of those, preferably multiple of those, I don't send it out because it's not. In line with what I want to do so when i'm creating something in Jasper if I want to be educational I put an educational voice in. If I want to be entertaining I put an entertaining voice in if I want to be empowering I put an empowering voice in and it gives me something along those lines, and you can also put in make this read like. Stephen King wrote it. Make this read like Nora Roberts wrote it. You know, you can pick these famous voices who have a lot of content out on the internet and
0: they will uh, make it sound like somebody else wrote it. Hopefully, not a Stephen King tweet, though. Oh, <laughs> those are vastly different than let's not go his there. novel work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop following Stephen King on Twitter because, oh. uh, yeah, anyway, we're not going
0: to go there. Um, <laughs> back away slowly. Uh, okay, so when we're crafting our newsletter, do we need to have only original content from us or can we respond to an article someone else wrote and then point our readers there? Like I really enjoyed so-and-so's take on this thing. You can check it out here. And that gives you a way to boost the content of your newsletter without having to put so much workload on you.
1: So, okay, let's talk about streamlining as we're talking about writing strategy this month. Also, Uh, I use Evernote, you can do it in Google Docs, you can do it in Asana, you can do it in whatever. But I know that I've got to have a newsletter coming out within the next two weeks as I'm scrolling through all the feeds as I'm reading the newsletters I subscribe to I learned something new that I think would be useful to my audience, or something that they need to be aware of. I definitely put that in my newsletter I I, because I build my brand on five things my newsletters are usually five things and within those categories, there might be five things so like in my. uh, content suggestions for the coming weeks I put five suggestions if i'm going to do a what i'm reading right now, there might be five things and it might be a newsletter it might be a website, it might be a blog, it might be a book Um, so. Yeah, I love that, especially many of the authors I follow. I get the best recommendations for books. I have found some great tools and resources. If you're all excited about one of the new AI things, or like Grammarly, or Scribifile, or something new in that genre comes out and it's relevant to your audience. Now, keep in mind, Mm -hmm. if you're writing this for readers, you need to be thinking what's relevant to them. And make sure that's what ends up in your newsletter. But I- And that goes back to your- No, your audience. My audience is creative entrepreneurs. So everything in my newsletter focuses at creative entrepreneurs. But if your audience is mystery lovers, then maybe you want to put the latest FBI report on crime in the US. And do you know that crime Ooh. is now at the lowest rate it has ever been? Um, so I think we all because we watch primetime TV, we think this world is really unsafe. And yes, you have to be cautious. I'm not saying that but it's not as bad as we're led to believe. Um, there, There's a lot of things that crime fiction lovers are interested in as you're researching for your book you're going to come across some fabulous factoids you're going to come across some really useful resources those who write historical fiction The research they're doing maybe they came across a virtual museum of whatever thing you know if you find it fascinating and you get lost down that rabbit trail there's a really good chance your readers might find it fascinating so definitely curate some of that content into your newsletter and into your social media because here's the thing A lot of people don't see what you put on social media matter of fact I had a post five times a day for a while on Twitter. And come to find out my mother who like really stalks my social media only saw half of them, so if my mother's not seeing them, I know my ideal audience is not seeing them. Same thing with your newsletter, not all newsletters get delivered, Uh not all newsletters get opened. And maybe the person who does read your newsletter didn't see your social media last week. So it Uh may not be the same content or the same people reading that content. So don't be afraid of doing that. The other thing is, as fast as social media flips through, a lot of times we don't stop and and register. There's a rule in marketing. It's called the rule of sevens. You have to see something seven times in seven different ways before it registers and you're prepared to make a sale. So Mm -hmm. a lot of creative entrepreneurs feel like they're being redundant in their marketing, but truth be known, the way the human brain works, you really have to keep repeating your message in different ways to get it heard and understood.
0: Interesting. So newsletter, blog, podcast, YouTube, and social media like Twitter and Instagram can all have very similar content. And since it is reaching different parts of your readership, it's not going to seem redundant to them. Correct. Now,
1: don't just copy and paste it. That's a mistake I see a lot of people doing. You want to reformat it for the platform. Being Mm. that Instagram makes it real easy you can put an Instagram post up there and then it has a little button that says repost this to Twitter and Facebook and you know exactly who's doing that because when you see a Twitter post that has 20 hashtags or until they cut it off you know that was not designed for your Twitter audience because your Twitter audience is looking for pithy fast succinct kind of things right Facebook They're slower, they're easier, they want to engage, you know, so think about your audience on those platforms, you can have the same content, but you need to format it for that audience so they don't feel like an afterthought.
0: Right, thinking about that, there's several creators that will just take their TikTok video and put it on Facebook Reels, and I go to comment or something and oh, it wants to send me to a different app, maybe Mm -hmm. one that I'm not part of. Uh, and also it has the TikTok logo on it and maybe it's covering up the original poster from uh TikTok and it's very obvious it's not meant for that platform and it does it feels a little off. So here's where AI is going to work
1: again on Facebook, on TikTok, on YouTube Shorts, the AI can read where that video was originally created and it is deprioritizing it in the algorithm. So you oh. think you're getting your message out by posting your TikToks onto Instagram Reels or onto YouTube Shorts, but YouTube is upping their game. When they first started Shorts, they mm-hmm. said very openly, I don't care where you created it, we need content, post it here again they have gone back on that because now they have enough content. Now people know that there's YouTube shorts. They want stuff created for their audiences. And what we have found statistically is that the audiences engage with those platforms differently. So what may go viral on TikTok may get crickets on YouTube and may just be middling on Instagram. So you really need to understand your, audience on each platform and what they're attracted to and create specifically for them.
0: So if someone is stuck on that section of their strategy, would that be a good time to bring in an expert for, say, like a social media audit? Yes. Yes. And thank you for
1: asking that. I did not put that in the notes, folks. Um, (laughs) But I do offer online presence audits and I can help you with some of that. So that is definitely a thing that I love to talk about. So after a year or so of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, you definitely need to narrow it down, look at your analytics, figure out what's working for you and how to get more mileage out of that. And it may not be that it's a bad platform for you. Maybe you just don't understand the analytics or don't understand how to leverage the tool. And again, all these platforms are tools. So you have to think about it. You know, everybody knows how to pick up a hammer and hammer a nail, but tell you what, I've watched professional carpenters and they do it differently and way more efficiently. So definitely there's a time to get an expert involved if you feel like you're out of your depth, or if you feel like it's not worth your time. If your time is better spent doing what only you can do i.e., writing your books, painting your masterpiece, composing music, you know, whatever it is that you are gifted at and you want to spend your time doing, you need to double down on that. If all of this marketing stuff is just not only out of your comfort zone, but you don't want to take time away from what you know you're good at, uh, I think it is a wise person that goes and hires somebody else to take over for them. Or just teaching them. So get somebody in as a consultant or a coach or take a course. There is no sense spending a year figuring out what I could teach you to do in 30 minutes.
0: Right. Both you and I have gone and found an expert to teach us some aspects that we weren't proficient in. It's nothing to be ashamed of. If social media is all around us. We think, oh, we should just be good at mm-hmm. it. But there's a science to it. And it's okay to get help. Not only is there a science to it, but the fact
1: is it changes every six months. So if you're not on top of it, I just spent a week doing a course on nothing but ROI for the different platforms. So we discussed ROI for YouTube, ROI for LinkedIn, ROI for Facebook, ROI for Instagram. And that's all the conference was focused on. And tell you what, my head was swimming at the end. I got so much information. I'm still sorting in my head. But <laughs> but that's beyond the parameters and interest of most authors or writers or artists of any kind, right? Why does a jewelry right. maker want to spend time deep diving into this when they could be creating new jewelry pieces? So think right. about how your time is best spent. The other thing with the marketing, again, everybody is on Social media. I get it. Your niece, who's 17, is going viral on social media. Well, look how she's going viral. Is it because she's posting pictures of bikinis and she's attracting every man on the planet? Or is it because she is very good at working the strategy and the analytics and all the behind the scenes? Just because
0: you can do it doesn't mean you're doing it optimally. And let's not forget the nieces that, uh, Wear the T Rex costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not all wearing bikinis, you right. we know.
1: And and I know <laughs> some young people that are really good at social media, and I have hired some of those because you know I I can help them level up their game, and they can help me with content. Uh, yeah, we want to take advantage and we want to encourage new talent, absolutely. But if you are basing your business on the chance that your neighbor's kid, who's always on social media, can help you, I would strongly caution. Right. Marketing is a separate field for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's an ongoing science and there's a lot of psychology and there's a lot of education and there's a lot of other things that go into it. So again, not saying that you can't do it. Listener, please hear me clearly. You can do it, but is it worth your time and do you want to? And if you do find somebody to help you learn quickly and efficiently.
0: Right. It's, it's more of when you get to a point where you are stuck Mm -hmm. or it's just not worth your time Mm -hmm. like you said you know that's the point where to to look for more education or for someone to teach Mm -hmm. you or to do it for you Mm -hmm. okay so we've got our budget we've got a strategy we've got a content calendar what ribbon do we tie this up with to make it all pretty and move forward with the last tip that i
1: want to give today is consistency we hear this all the time you have to be consistent in what you're doing Whether it's your writing or your marketing or your newsletter or any of the bits, um, be consistent. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to do it every day. Consistency means you figure out a schedule, you share that schedule, and you can commit to hitting that schedule because that builds trust. And that is the thing. If you don't have trust, you're not going to have the sales
0: right people need to know that they can expect you to in a way keep your word Mm -hmm. you know are you going to drop a new blog every wednesday are you going to like amber royer who was just on every book is it going to be about chocolate right you build that reputation with your reader and once you break that trust it is so hard to come back from that right the moment they stop looking for it you're starting over from square one. And not to say you can't do that if you do it intentionally,
1: but I'm speaking to the ones, because I I work with an author who's kind of moving her brand from historical fiction to contemporary romance, but she's doing it intentionally and she's bringing her readers with her on the journey so that that's a whole different thing what i'm talking about is making sure you have a plan and a strategy in place so that you don't accidentally go down another road or accidentally wait six months between tweets you know i have i have had to resurrect twitter accounts for clients because they posted hot and heavy when they were selling their book as during their launch period and then crickets they posted nothing for six months and couldn't understand why they were losing engagement Mm -hmm. and losing followers when they came back so it's it's really important to be mindful if you start something and and it's okay to start with just one platform Mm -hmm. if all you have the bandwidth to do is a newsletter do a newsletter once you get your newsletter consistent and a pattern and some templates worked out We can talk about all those later, then you want to add the next thing, add a social media platform you're happy with, add a long form piece of content, be it a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel. And you do not have to do everything. Hear me in the back of the room. You do not have to do everything, but
0: what you do be strategic and be intentional
1: and be consistent.
0: So every step of the way you are always checking back. Am I on brand? Am I supporting my core values? Every step of the way, you're looking at your content calendar saying, does this match with what I have planned or should I save this for later where it's more appropriate? You're always touching base with your readers and engaging with them. Mm -hmm. How often should we do research with our reader base? Is it one and done? Uh, No, no. I think there's different
1: levels of that research process. I like doing a formal survey a minimum of once a year and the questions can change or the questions can stay the same because perhaps your audience has changed. So the the things that are most important to you, you need to put on that survey. If you're a writer doing this for a reading audience, then maybe the question is, which books were most on target or which characters were most compassionate Mm -hmm. or the ones you'll never forget, which character do you want me to kill off in the series? You know, (laughs) whatever it is that applies to your audience, that is the key. You have to apply it to your individual audience. So once a year, send out a survey that's a little more formal, but also, especially, and I'm talking about newsletters here specifically, but this applies to everything. You always want to ask a question that is open-ended, okay? I see a lot of people on social media, and they know they're supposed to ask a question, but they ask a rhetorical question or a yes or no type of question, and that's not going to get engagement. You want to ask your especially on your newsletters, you want to ask them a question that allows them to give you some feedback that's useful. You know, um, I, I love when I see authors do cover reveals, or, you know, here's four covers we're debating vote on, or would you have a suggestion on? That's how I came up with the original cover for this podcast i created four different covers i put them out on social media and asked people to vote and it was really interesting because nobody seemed to like any one of them but they liked a bit of this one and a bit of that one and a bit of this one and (laughs) alessandra torrey said hey have you considered doing this and um you know and that's how we created it so it's really nice because i have an audience of authors i asked my authors what do you think about this. Is this a podcast you would listen to? Is this something would be useful? Is this a cover image that would attract you? And I got really useful information back. So use your newsletters, use your social media that way, because don't we all love to have our opinion valued and validated? I think it's a really good way to make your followers part of your community. And again, that shows you who's who's really paying attention and who
0: do you want to pay closer attention to? and who's not going to pick up a book with a cover with pride saying yeah my idea got implemented exactly exactly fostering that sense of camaraderie with your community it does
1: it does and at the end of the day I think that's why most of us create whatever it is we create, because not only are we feeling that need in ourselves to create, but we're also trying to add value to our community, however large or small, and we're trying to create something that makes the world a little better. And, and that mm-hmm. could be, okay, I'm, I'm looking at the necklace I'm wearing. Uh, my son and I on our trip across the country stopped at a Hopi trading village. And this was a piece of artwork that they had made. It's an amethyst necklace. And every time I wear it, I remember the Hopi culture and all the things we saw there. And I remember this trip with my son. And I know it's on brand for me because it's purple and I love amethyst. And, you know, it's it's a piece of art, honestly, at the end of the day, that's made my life better. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know the actual artist, but I think fondly of them every time I put it on. And I think all of us, as we are creatives, we want to
0: know that our work is having an impact. Right if it's not for that reason, you know, why do we do that? Yeah. Because honestly, if, if it's
1: just for us, then it's a hobby and Mm. that's a good, there's nothing wrong with a hobby, but I'm assuming my audience here is trying to level up and make it a business. Um, and, And to have a business, you have to have
0: something of value that people need and want. Right. So speaking of value, your newsletter, is pretty interesting you put a lot of thought and content into that
1: i try to because again i don't want to be additional noise and i constantly am telling people to delete the newsletters that are not bringing them information or joy because honestly our inboxes are way too full and i believe in inbox zero and my newsletter if it's useful to you if it brings you joy um i'm a teacher at heart i try to put useful content and suggestions and tools and updates because again social media is changing at lightning speed so i try to keep on top of that because i know authors don't want to spend time doing that so if you're interested in those updates you can subscribe to my newsletter The information is in the show notes. You can get the link there, or you can go to unleashingthenextchapter.com and you'll see a place to subscribe to my newsletter.
0: And if people want to talk about the topics we've discussed in the podcast Mm -hmm. or something in your newsletter, the place to do that would be now on your discord server absolutely i hang out on discord that is the one
1: thing that i get notifications on so unless you're my husband and my kids who can you know direct text me um if you want to communicate with me that's the best place to do it i know not everybody is comfortable with discord that's okay you can do a reply to my newsletter and that actually comes directly to me oh wow okay so don't hesitate because i ask questions i want to build a community i want to be useful and The other thing is I get some great suggestions from my community on what they're struggling with, what they want us to talk about, what experts they would love to connect with. So
0: if you have a suggestion of something you want to hear, that's the way to let me know. We want to hear from you. We want to know mm-hmm. what have you liked about the podcast? What would you like to hear more of? Mm-hmm. If you want to get a hold of JoLynn, if you have questions about podcasting, if there's enough interest, I'll turn the
1: tables and interview her all about podcasting. I am happy to do that. So if you want to know more, talk to jolin support at unleashingthenextchapter.com. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm Catherine at unleashingthenextchapter.com. And we also have info unleashingthenextchapter.com and that goes to the third member of the team who we haven't introduced yet
0: when will the big reveal be on the third member
1: uh hopefully by may 1st he's working behind the scenes and gearing up and we will have a surprise ready on may 1st if all goes according to plan you know what instead of doing our fave three we need to tell you what Jalen and i did in spring break We took our love of plants and we went to the Fort Worth Botanic Garden and we saw the world of orchids. And I gotta tell you, I don't know about Jolynn, but I'm ready to get some orchids and figure that one out
0: because they were glorious. I already have like five orchids. I am an orchid lover and they seem to thrive well on my personal brand of intermittent neglect. So we're simpatico. I think
1: that's why I like Hoyas, because, again, benign neglect is what we practice here at the McClatchy House. So, (laughs) yeah, if that's
0: what orchids require, I can do that. Yeah, it's just got to get that right humidity level, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the Fort Worth Botanical Gardens was so gracious uh, in their presentation and the art show, which, you know, it was kind of interesting our day kind of encompassed our fave three it really did in a lot of ways
1: we went out to a tea shop that also sold books and had plants all throughout
0: and that was fabulous Then getting to go into record town on st louis street rekindled a love for records that my dad had given to all of us and also made me kick myself for passing up so many good records when I was 12 (laughs) going through the thrift store. I looked at someone I was like it's going for how much man I saw that at the VFW thrift store for like 25 cents. (laughs) Right
1: right so Jalen had to go buy a new turntable to me because she bought some new records well new to her.
0: Yeah, oh, new to me, yeah. yeah. It's really nice when you can say, no, 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 this isn't a hobby. This is professional development. Right, you're a sound engineer.
1: (laughs) You need to analyze the sounds, right? So on that note, let me leave you with this word of encouragement. Go do something you haven't done before. Get inspiration outside of your niche and come up with a strategy for your marketing
0: remember to have fun with it oh yeah if it's not fun why are we doing it thank you so much Catherine, for chatting today i really enjoyed it. always
1: thank you for bringing your expertise and making me sound good
0: thanks for listening today check out authorpreneursunleashed.com forward slash podcast for resources show notes and more make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to give us a rating Join us next week as Catherine moves back into the host seat and interviews fantasy author Nikolai Weiskell about Kindle Vella. Learn how he uses it as part of his writing and marketing strategy.